Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Right, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We're glad you're with us. We are. We are very mostly. Glad. I mean, a hundred percent. We're one hundred. We're not mostly glad you're with us. We are glad, overjoyed. Hundred percent overjoyed that you're here. Uh, so last week we wrapped up our talk on Abraham. That's and right. We did. Now we're jumping into laughter. So much laughter, which is the name of Isaac. Yes, the stand-up comedian, the stand-up of the comedian of, of the Bible, <laughs> Isaac. <laughs> His name means laughter, and uh, we're going to look at his story arc today and um, see what we can pull out for you to to help make Genesis a little more helpful and understandable. And the goal here is that Jesus. whenever you go into your Bible study rooms, your Bible stu- you have a whole room for a Bible study. <laughs> I mostly have a desk or a, a chair that I sit in between uh-huh. being interrupted by children. But yes. wherever you go to read your Bible, the goal here is that you're reading the fall and creation together. Yep. Uh, oh, the fall and the other creation in the fall, creation in the fall, yep. all the way to Babylon in right. one chunk, and then you're reading the story of Abraham, yep. Isaac, Isaac Jacob, Jacob, and then Joseph. Joseph. Five days, yep, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it, yeah. Those are the big sweeping narratives of Genesis. So um, Isaac is born. Uh, Abraham waited a long time, over 25 years, for this little boy to be born. To his 90-year-old wife. To his 90-year-old wife. Can you think about the miracle that is? Oh, it's so insane. Like, you're literally God literally had to reverse the aging process before yes. he the baby could be born. It's crazy. Yeah, there are there are biological things in place that had to go backwards it's in amazing. order for this to occur. It's absolutely insane. And the point of how amazing that is mm. actually makes Genesis 22 feel overwhelming. Oh, it, it's it's so hard to read actually. The first words, and after these things, after these great and (laughs) wonderful, amazing things that make you laugh, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. Take your son, your Your only only son, son, Isaac, whom whom you love, (laughs) and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which Uh, I sent you. There is nothing in the text that prepares us for this. No. We've been waiting for this. I mean, God's entire plan for saving the world and restoring creation hangs on this one little boy. And now he's saying, go offer him as a burnt offering. Yes, but. But. This is a test. And right. It's actually the first thing that you read. So a lot of time we come to the story and think like, God is actually asking Abraham. Right. To kill somebody. We're told it's a test. We're told it, and that's that. It's the heading. That's the heading, and yeah. that's really important for us to it understand. Is. Like God had never intends never to kill Isaac. No, in fact, uh, all throughout the prophets and even in Deuteronomy, one of the most abominable practices of the other nations that God consistently rails against is child sacrifice. He constantly separates himself from other religions, one based on idols and two based on child sacrifices. It's one of the most abominable things that God detests all throughout the Old Testament. So we need to know that God hates child sacrifice, never actually intended Abraham to kill Isaac. This is a test. It's a test. Okay. And it forces you to just be in that moment yeah. with Abraham. Every line of this just adds to the dramatic tension. It was so much tension. And then he stacked the wood. Oh, my God. And then he saddled the donkey. And he held the knife. And then he he picked up the knife. (laughs) Then he walked three days. (laughs) Then he saw the mountain in the distance. Then he told his 
guides to go away. Then he loaded the wood on his son's back. It's like, oh my, like so much. You should read it and just pause after every fact because a lot of these stories are really, there's no details. Yeah. And this one is full of them. So you just feel the weight of this coming moment. Yeah. And it's it's the narrative is meant to slow you down. It's meant to slow you down until you're overwhelmed with overwhelmed anxiety (laughs) until the knife is stand being held by abraham's hand above his son and then an angel calls out don't don't do it don't do it right (laughs) oh my gosh yeah and uh and well and like you you, it feels like abraham knows that something is going to happen right because before um they even get up on the mountain isaac asks um okay i see the knife and the wood and we, we got everything for the offering but where's the offering, right? Where's and the then, where's the where's the and lamb? Abraham says God, God will, provide. will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And and then what's interesting is the New Testament gives us kind of a spin on this. Um, I think it's in Hebrews eleven. I think that talks okay. about this, and it says that Abraham believed that God would have would raise Isaac from the dead. Like oh, that's what he thought yeah, the solution yeah, yeah. would be. That like even if I have to kill my son, God will raise him from the dead. So Abraham had faith. Maybe like here, it's like okay, there will be there will be a lamb on the way. Okay, th- I didn't see a lamb this right. whole time. I was looking for. A, you can imagine right, yeah. walking up the mountain, yeah. <laughs> being like, "Is there a lamb over there? Is there a lamb? Yeah. No lamb. Like, is that another miracle that God performed to just mm. keep all animals away from them <laughs> on the hike? Like, where's God's? I, there's no lamb. I'm looking for a lamb everywhere. There's not one. Okay, fine. When the knife's in the air, the last moment of faith maybe Abraham has is, I know God will raise him from the dead at least. But God didn't even make him go that far. He did right, which is which is so amazing. Uh, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I really want to make a jump. But I'll wait. Right, and so what we're seeing here is again, what on what basis is mm. the promise of God moving forward? It's on Abraham's trust. Oh yeah, Abraham's trust in the Lord. Right, he's willing to give up his only son. In fact, what and, and what it must have felt like he was giving up his own life. Like, oh, you yeah. know, in one sense, like I, I, and it brings us to some of the commands of Jesus. You must be willing to lose your life if you want to find mm. it. You must be able to forsake father, son, brothers, sons, like sons for me yeah. if you want to be a part of my family. Yeah. And it's also just, it's amazing to think about the faith that this takes is because God said that the promise would be held in his offspring, that like through his offspring, all the nation of the world would be blessed. And so Abraham wants Eden to be restored. He wants to live in the land with God. He wants all nations to be blessed. And he's he's banking on that happening through this son. And what God is saying is like, I want you to trust that I could do it even without your son, even without this promise. Like I could do it regardless. Like it's just amazing how God wants us in our faith to be based solely on him and his ability alone. Yeah. Regardless of anything else that we might add to the table. This is also a retelling of the Eden narrative Hmm. in some way. They're on a mountain. Oh, sure. So we're talking like where where do the the gods live? On the mountains, in the gardens. And we're not necessarily told why God said to offer the right. sacrifice. We're just told to trust him, yeah. which is what we're, we're told in the Garden of Eden, trust the Lord and his commandment not to eat the fruit. Right. So we're, we're told, uh, Cain and Abel are told, trust that the sacrifice mm-hmm. is... That there, the sacrifice can be, can be accepted if, yeah. if you mm-hmm. do right. And what we normally find is we don't do it. Right. So this is actually the first time the Lord offers a commandment. Oh, right. And we're told to trust the Lord. With no reason. With no reason. And yep. somebody actually does. Yeah. So one of the... Even though Abraham is a, a morally compromised character... He is upheld throughout the New Testament for his faith. Mm. And this is an example that he has failed where actually all these other proto, these other atoms have failed to. Or he succeeded. He where, succeeded yeah. where mm-hmm. all the other atoms have failed to. Right. So we're supposed to see like hope that yeah. his line right. might actually be the line that brings us back to yep. the Garden of Eden. Yeah, we've seen so much failure, so much confirmation that, that the fall has taken over pretty much every square inch of planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And here is one last bastion of hope in yeah. this incalculable amount of faith that Abraham's showing in doing this, like completing this insurmountable task. Yeah. Yeah. And what we find out is that his great faith um, in the command, in the goodness of God, even when he commands, offer your own son, is that God does not require his own son. He does not. He and stops him. He stops him. Because one day, 
the Lord will provide his own. Mm-hmm. Why does God actually spare Abraham's son? Because one day the Lord will provide his own son on the sacrifice. Yep. And he the- says, he says, now I know that you fear God seeing how you would not withhold your son, your only son from me. And yet we have God not withholding his son, his only son from us. Yes. What he, what he does not require of Abraham, though he could have, he requires of himself, though he didn't have to. And why? So that the promise would go out to us. Yes. The promise would continue. Mm. It's amazing. So normally when we talk about like the sacrifice of Jesus, we talk about like about wrath and anger, right. but this one's this profoundly positive way to think about the sacrifice of God's son. Mm-hmm. It's so that the promise would go out. Right. In the same way that a son is necessary for future generations to come, a son is necessary for future blessing to come. Right. And God makes sure that none of us have to sacrifice our sons right. because his son is the one that sacrificed. Our sons can live on. Yeah. We can spread the gospel. We can have children and the promise will go to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't and it, and it wasn't um, anyone else uh, taking, like putting the wood on Jesus's back, taking him up the mountain, you know, putting him on the altar of the cross. He says, I lay my life down on my own of my own will. I do this myself. Isaac was following commands. You know, yeah. Jesus was laying it down himself, like willingly out and of re- love. And in response to Abraham's, uh, Abraham's obedience, uh, we're given his immediate family line. Oh, right. And there's 12 of them. Yep. Just like there's going to be 12 tribes of Israel. Mm, and yep. like there were 12 sons of Ishmael earlier. Right. And how there will be 12 disciples. Yep. <laughs> like yep. those 12 disciples will go to all the nations of the world. Like the promises of God here are fulfilled in Jesus. Mm-hmm. He has 12 disciples. Like right. Abraham had 12 grandsons. And they go through all the nations of the world so that all the world will be blessed. Yeah, it's amazing. And so after this harrowing event... <laughs> Um, we, 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 we find out some sad news. Yeah. Sarah dies. Sarah dies at age 127. Ripe. Ripe old age (laughs) of 127. Uh, she dies and, um, I mean, people are weeping bitterly for her. And then Abraham is in the land of the Hittites, right? Which is part of the land of the broader land of Canaan, which would be the promised land. And he is trying to secure a lot to bury his wife and, and remember, um, yep. it would have been tradition for him to go back home to the land of his fathers. Oh, right. And to bury his wife there. No, no. But God sent him out of the land of mm-hmm. the fathers. So this is another way in which Abraham's Abraham faith. is yeah. having faith. Yes. And so he offers to buy some land from the Hittites. Right. And they're like, no, no, no. You've been so great here. We love you. You've been really good for our economy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, we'll just give it to you. And Abraham doubles down and says, no, I must buy it, which right. can seem strange. Strange. Why, it does seem weird that he's pushing on this. But I think the point is that Abraham's comes by a slot, a little piece, a plot of the promised mm-hmm. land, legally, by rights, with his own money that God has provided for him. Right. So God has provided a slice of land in Canaan by all legal rights. Mm. No one can take that from him on any grounds. Right. It's, it's Abraham. He owns it. He owns it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think, I think it's you who've told me this before. Like, this is like a down payment. Yes. on the, the promise of God, that this is like the first fruits, if you will, right? Yeah, of, God has promised promise. Abraham yeah. this huge land, all yep. these nations, and this is the first time God's delivering on the promise. Mm. God's provided with him with all these riches, and those riches are now used to buy an, the burial plot. Right. Which is, which is, feels small. It feels so, and I think it's supposed to, and it's filled with death. It's small and it's filled with death. I think the thing that Genesis continues to beg us to do with its narrative is to keep looking forward, to keep waiting, right? To wait for this coming sun. It's not here yet. Death is always around the corner. The promise is still being fulfilled. And like at the end of the patriarch Abraham's life almost, we're almost there, all that he's going to own by the end of it, because he's going to come back and die soon, and he's going to be buried next to Sarah. Right. And all he's going to own is this small piece of death land <laughs> inside Graveyard. the land of Canaan. It's like, man... That didn't quite work out like I thought it would when I was reading Genesis 12.1. But it's from a graveyard that Jesus rises from the dead. Yes. It's from a grave that Jesus raises, and he has all authority over every tribe, nation, language, and tongue. And he sends out and calls for people all over the world. Yeah. Yes, there's a promised land in Canaan that we'll see in the book of Joshua mm-hmm. that eventually Israel owns. Right. But it's pulled back. They go into exile, whatever yep. else. But in Jesus, the entire world becomes the 
inheritance yes. of Abraham's righteous seed. Yep. The righteous line, the royal line of Abraham gets the whole right. world in Jesus. And what's amazing is like Abraham owned this tomb, you know, and from that tomb, from that place, that down payment would come this whole nation of people who would live in this land. Jesus, on the other hand, goes into a borrowed tomb that he doesn't own. And from that small little sequestered place in Jerusalem, he raises from the dead and, like you said, brings blessings to the whole earth. It's like it, it, we're just forced to see Abraham's grave plot and Jesus' grave plot as the Lord these parallel accounts. provides in death. Yeah, the Lord through death. Pro- yeah, he provides. That's cool. So the narrative moves because Sarah's died, Abraham's about to die, right. and really the focus becomes Isaac. It's on you now, buddy. Will Isaac continue on the family line? Yeah. How or is he going to be the one, too, is probably oh, what yeah, some yeah, people yeah. are wondering. Will he bring us back to the garden? Right. So we're asking those questions. Yep. Isaac, the father of many nation thing hasn't quite happened yet. There's nope. 12 sons. <laughs> yep. So we kind of have expectations that Isaac will have many, many children and start building this huge nation. Yep. And so the first problem is he doesn't have a wife. Whoops. So... Gotta he go, go get one of those. He goes a courting. He goes. He, <laughs> Isaac goes <laughs> a courting. I like that. I like that. Like, that's the that's the Netflix episode title for this this chapter. Yes, ancient dating. Ancient dating. Okay, uh, so he and he has to, but he has to go back to his father's land to get a wife, right? Because this is the people that God has chosen. All that's around them are a bunch of Hittites, Canaanites. Yeah, and we ain't we ain't, we ain't about to go down that path, and so. Uh, but 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 God doesn't want Isaac to get stuck in that land because that's not the promised land, right? And so he's like, I don't even want Isaac to go a courting. I'm gonna. I need you to send one of your servants to go there, and I want you to find a woman from my people, yep. from this royal line, and bring her back, bring her back to the promised land, right? So that the nation of God can be in the kingdom of God, yep. and yeah. succeed exactly. And so he he ends up making this like vow with his servant where is isn't this the story where he puts his hand under his thigh or yeah. something? I think that was like a traditional it, like, yeah, like a, a vow, like a promise or something. Yeah. I don't know. We should do that. We should, instead of shaking hands on a deal, <laughs> you should just put your hand under someone's leg and be like, "Yep, we got a deal." Yeah. Okay, I can imagine great. just the sound of that making, like the sound of a hand <laughs> slapping the backside of a thigh. Just like really satisfying, like that's what a deal sounds that's, like. That's what a deal sounds that's like. That's what a deal sounds and like. And so the, this 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 servant who's been had an awkward handshake agreement made with him goes to Abraham's homeland, and um, he prays. Right. Yeah, he prays that the Lord would give give him the wife Isaac needs. Yes. And immediately we're basically told in the story that God's going to provide it. And he asks God, "When I find this woman." Mm-hmm. Let her make her give a drink to my camels. That's how I will know you've chosen somebody for me. This great, generous woman will feed my 12 thirsty camels because that's a lot of water. Yes. That's how I'll know the woman you've chosen for okay. me. Okay. And then immediately, yep. we are introduced to the character Rebecca, who's the son, uh, the daughter, the daughter. of hope, one, hope so. <laughs> the daughter of one uh, in, in this royal family line. Right. So we already know who. This wife is going to be. We know it's going to be Rebecca. Yeah. This is the person, but we have to wait. The servant doesn't know it yet. For like fifteen <laughs> verses until the servant figures out that this person is right. Isaac's wife. He's a studious little servant. He yeah. wants to make sure he he's wants doing to make the right sure. thing. And I think the point of that is like we. So there's this dramatic tension. We know who it is. Right. The servant doesn't know why. It's because one once the servant finds out that this woman goes and gathers all the water for the camels, he bows down and worships the Lord mm-hmm. for providing for the providing for the family line, for right. providing for God's chosen people, and he worships God because of it. Yeah, and so we're supposed to be put inside the 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 um the face the the body yeah, of, of this the servant. servant, and we're supposed to worship God that He is providing a way for His family to continue. Yeah. The chosen people is going on. God's nation will come. He's providing even wives. Right. Like it's not just He's providing victory in battle. He's providing like yeah a good wife, and He does it through like it's crazy that God would acquiesce to a servant's prayer request too. That's yeah. like you've got this servant. This isn't this isn't Isaac. This isn't the promised son who's coming to Yahweh and saying, "All right, I know this is really important. We've got to carry on this promised seed." It's a slave, right? It's this servant, and he's going and he's like, "Okay, God, help me find the right woman." That's not even the prayer. He's like, "Okay, I want it to meet these criteria. Water my camp, like water my camels. Do these things." And God like acquiesces and actually does it, which is just amazing. And no wonder the servant worshipped. He's like, 
God heard my prayer, provided for my master, this 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 woman, and like re- like actually responded. It's just amazing, like the way that God actually like comes down and does things among us that it, we should it should cause us to worship. And then immediately we're introduced to the father. Yep, the soon to be father in law Laban. Laban, who will and come back later. He'll he'll come back later. He turns out to be not a great guy. But for True. now, for now, he's great. His daughter's getting married. That's right. He's excited. He's pouring drinks. He's making food. Yep. He's being hospitable. He sends his daughter out. And then uh, the servant continues to shower Rebecca with gifts and mm-hmm. gifts and gifts. And he even gives her a uh, a, a nose ring in, ver- in verse 47. Yeah. And well, I've always wondered why like, more teenage Christian girls don't use this as like a proof text <laughs> for, for nose like, rings. getting nose rings. Right. Because it's like always this big contentious deal with your mom. Yeah. I mean, my sister did it. Like, I want a nose ring. No, you can't do that. That's that's yeah. that's what, rock- well, they could just that's say, what rockers do. They could say, well, <laughs> fine, go marry a patriarch and then you can get your nose ring. <laughs> but as long as you're under my roof, no. No. That's anyway. right. And so they go back to the promised land, right? And you've got Rebecca and the servant and their whole little group, and they get close to, and Isaac see, and does she see Isaac from far away? Isn't that what she happens? She does. She sees Isaac from far away. Yeah. He's med- is he meditating? He's meditating, yeah. praying in the field. Good man. Man of God. And then he sees the camels coming back, yep. and then Rebecca's like, is that? Is that him? Is that him? Yeah. And he's like, he's like yeah, yeah, you know. That, that, you know that's it. <laughs> so she covers her face right. with, her, with her veil, and then they meet. Yep. And uh, and so what? Why, it's a long story. It is a long story. A long, why is it here? Why is it given? Why, why is it given so much space uh, in the story? Uh, I mean, like it just seems like it's taking a long time. If the narrative tension of Abraham sacrificing Isaac is this like comedic relief? Like <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> it not, ends at a wedding. It ends in a wedding. It's it's not really that like oh no the knife is being raised. It's a different kind of dramatic narrative. You know, it's more like will there be a wife? But it doesn't feel like the stakes are as high as the sacrifice of Isaac. So no. I just it's just like why is is this in here? Is it just to show like God's provision? Just to show belittling God's provision and faithfulness? Is that but is that the point of this text? Is to show us that God is providing and really sixty-seven verses yeah. of God always provides. Yeah, and not just a necessary like yes, a wife is necessary, right? But it's so good. Yeah, it's just like it's this joyous occasion, oh, and a it's s- a servant goes and does all this stuff. You what? know what else it is? Well, I'm just thinking it's also like there's so much choice in it. That, God, I want to know who you chose. Who's the wife and the woman you chose? Because God came and selected Abraham and Sarah, right? But now he just has Isaac. So you've got a promised son, but where's the promised woman, the chosen woman? Right. And so, like, this is not only about God, God's provision. This is about God's choice. And God's that, leading. God's mm-hmm, guiding. God's leading and guiding. And so we're not only rejoicing because he was faithful to show the servant uh, a woman but to show the to show the servant the promised chosen woman mm-hmm. that God has made a choice of this woman and uh, it's been confirmed through multiple signs and so we're, we're we we as the reader should rejoice that God has picked someone to continue this line too and how like a wedding right mm. the wedding ceremony is only 20 minutes yeah and it's days and days and weeks <laughs> and weeks of Leading preparation up. but like that's part of the joy of it yep. part of the joy of the moment is waiting until the wedding day when, right. you're, when you're bedecked and... Bedecked. Bedecked. <laughs> bedazzled. I had a, a bedazzled tuxedo on did my... You? I did not. Oh, that would be awesome. Not. You were but bedecked like, out. I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all the lead up, right? Yeah, to, to the wedding. I, I can't... Okay, so I can't help but think about there's this well, there's this woman that um, that someone is sent out to to go, to go be with outside of the promised land. Um, and we talk, there's talk of marriage and all these things like Jesus in John four with the woman at the well, the Samaritan or the, the, wait, is she Samaritan? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, I feel like it's playing out this kind of thing. Like Jesus is intentionally orchestrating an event to show that he is the new Isaac, uh, selecting a bride for himself. Hmm. And so he's with this woman at the well and she is uh, definitely not the she's, cha- not she's not chased Rebecca. That's for sure. Right. She is. She's been divorced five times yep, and has a some... man in her room right now. Right. But she represents this whole new people. Right. Because so, she's a Samaritan, so she's, she's outside the chosen people of God. 
right? Whereas this servant was going to the chosen people of God, back to Abraham's line to find the chosen woman of God to bring back to the chosen son of God. Yeah. Right? This is the selective group. And Jesus is talking to a woman, which he shouldn't have done, to a Samaritan outside the chosen people and like having a conversation with her when she is in deep sexual sin. Like these are, you're not, these are breaking all the taboos. You're not supposed to do any of these things. And I think what Jesus is showing us in this story is that um, whereas Isaac had to go out um, to the promised people to bring her back. And it was about one group of people going to one place. Jesus and this woman have this conversation about where is it right to worship God? Uh, You know, you Jews say it's only in Jerusalem, but we Samaritans, we worship God here on this mountain. I think you got it wrong. Okay. All right. I think think the woman at the well, I think Jesus fulfilling the woman at the well is not here with Rebecca. It's back with Hagar. Mm-hmm. Because what happens when this sexually broken woman who's been abused by other people out in the middle of the desert is wondering if she's going to die, what does the Lord do? He makes her see a well. Mm. He creates a well that for her to have a drink. And she goes, and what she says, the Lord sees me. Mm-hmm. And it's this, and then the Lord continues to say, I will provide for your family. I will give you a name and an inheritance. And I will make sure that your, your nation and your, your line continues. I think the woman at the well in John 4 is the fulfillment of Hagar and Ishmael. Mm. That's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, look, there was a woman at the well who was sexually broken, mm-hmm. who shouldn't have had access to the line of God, but I, right. I promised I would fulfill it. Yep. And we have another woman who's a Samaritan, sexually broken, yep. but she ends up becoming the missionary for an entire Samaritan people group. Yep. So with Rebecca, I think we have the image of the marriage supper, the marriage of the true people of God, mm-hmm. the bride, Jesus coming as the bride of Christ. Yeah. Right? Well, I think so. I think definitely. And I think we're going to see that the same thing happens with Jacob, too, that his wife is found at a well as well. Yes. And so I don't think it needs to be one of these women. I think it's all of them. They're and all meet they're, at wells. All Maybe that's the more important wells. point. That's the yeah. more important point is that when Jesus goes to the Samaritan woman, he is saying, I am procuring for myself a bride from the most unlikely places, from all nations. I'm calling sinners to myself. Uh, any kind of social class, any gender, any race, I'm calling you to myself. And I'm going to adorn you as a bride. I'm going to put that that wonderful nose ring in you that Seth's friends all want <laughs> and bring you to myself. And you're going to you're gonna put a veil over your face. You're going to come to me and we're going to meet and we're going to get married. And like that's what Jesus is doing, uh, I think. And, and yeah, I think it is supposed to be, it is supposed to be Hagar. It is supposed to be Rebecca. It is supposed to be later Rachel. It's supposed to be all these women that Jesus fulfills in his meeting with the woman of the well. And we, so Jesus is the bridegroom. Yep. He's like the fiance, the man. Yes. And, and then the church, yep. we are as the Christians are the bride. Yes. So we have this image too of the Lord preserving, keeping, dressing, mm-hmm. providing, yes. watering, feeding, yep. giving wine, giving food, giving jewelry, preparing. Yep. And so what does Paul say? He has, there's a church that is spotless mm-hmm. and without blemish presented yep. before the Lord. Right. And what does John say in Revelation? Uh, that he saw the bride uh, beautifully dressed, yeah. right? Like a bride, like on, a, on her wedding day, like a bride for her husband. Yeah. There's this great Tim Keller line because Tim Keller's lines are normally great. Pretty good. And he talks about how um, we all look our best on our wedding day. Mm-hmm. And we see part of that here, like all this energy is yeah. put into dressing and, and the way that we look. And he said, you know, when that happens, we're not just playing dress up. Mm. We're not just pretending that we look better than we actually are. Yeah. We're actually imaging what we will one day become. Yeah, that's really what, good. What we see there when we're dressed and we're young and we're shining, we have makeup on and we've got our hair cut, mm-hmm. is actually a picture of what the Lord will make us in heaven mm-hmm. when forever. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's really beautiful. And I also just love this whole idea that we talked about, about God being faithful and God, per- and God choosing that this intentionality and this faithfulness and this selection doesn't just take place when Rebecca fulfills all these signs that um, this servant asked for. It also happens every single time someone turns their heart to God, right? No matter where they come from, they believe in God. That moment, that, that, that servant dropped down to his knees and start worshiping God that he has provided a bride happens every single time someone's heart is turned to the Lord. That like you've been chosen. You like God has come you've to you. You've become Rebecca. You've become Rebecca. Like yeah. amazing. Out of against all odds, you've been looped into this promised line. It's just it's just really cool.
Okay, so Jacob and Rebecca are married, and uh, first comes love, then, then comes, comes marriage, then comes the twins, twins in the baby carriage. I, you, we're going to. I'm having You're, a baby in three weeks. You are, man. Which is really crazy. Yes, it is. And right now we're going to this high-risk specialist, and on the wall, mm-hmm. like as you walk into the doctor's office, they just have all these pictures of babies. Oh, yeah. Of like, you know, of just babies that have successfully been delivered. Right. And there's quadruplets. No. Natural quadruplets. On the, somebody told me about them. like, yeah, those are natural. I'm like, what? Wait, like, other than not like, IV. Not IV. Oh, like, it's Natural crazy. quadruplets. I was like, <laughs> something else. Bizarre. That's a, that's not but this is just half twins. That. This is half that. half quadru. <laughs> uh, so Rebecca's having half quadruplets. She's having twins, which immediately we, we we need to be thinking about this. Abraham had one kid, and it took forever to get there. Right, just him and Sarah, one kid. Now with Milka or whatever her name was, he had more. But like this is the promised one. Yep. And like he tried to have uh, Ishmael with Hagar. Nope, it's not him. Like God's being very particular, <laughs> right? Because there is one seed that we're waiting for. Yes. It's singular. Paul picks that up in the New Testament for us. It's singular. We're waiting for one seed. And now there's twins in his in his promised line. So immediately we should be thinking back to Cain and Abel and, and going like, one's yes. going to be the seed of Eve, the seed of the woman. One's going to be the seed of the snake. One's going to be chosen. One's going to be unchosen. Good, evil kind of idea here. Yeah. And, um, and in fact, we don't have to wait long to figure that out because Yahweh actually comes to Rebecca and says this to her. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Okay. Okay. So he's saying there's there's twins in you, and I have chosen the younger and the weaker of the two. It's the same story as Cain and Abel. Yes. So the older son was the one that was not chosen Potentially by by not offering the right sacrifice, and the younger one was where the line came from. So yep. the same thing's happening again, but this time by God's choice, not by Cain's disobedience and sure. murder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, this then we kind of get to see it play out, which, which it's like neither of them have done anything yet. They've just they're just in okay in her belly, <laughs> right? And uh, and it's like. They, one hasn't proven that the babies they bring... are born in the womb. Actually, oh, the what? belly is. Are you sure? Different. I don't know about this. I have a son, and I David, <laughs> David failed biology as a child. <laughs> I didn't even take it as a child. I took it as a man. As a man. No. Okay, you got belly. Belly and womb wrong. Okay, and so um, we 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 get this choice. We see that this prophecy is taking place. That uh, God has chosen the younger over the older. And um, then we kind of see it play out. They are fighting in the womb. Yeah, and one fighting. comes out, and then they, she pulls back in, and then yes. the other one comes out, which right. is crazy. <laughs> and so uh, the younger's name is Jacob, mm-hmm. right? Which means like heel grabber, or he cheats. So it's like the the, the parents weren't <laughs> super creative with the names. Like, oh no, that one's Harry. So we'll call him. We'll call him Esau, which means Harry. And then this one <laughs> grabbed the other guy's heel. So we'll call him Jacob. The one who grabs heels. <laughs> it's, like not, it's like nailed it. Although that's actually really common in a lot of other languages and mm-hmm. other cultures. Like if, if you go to Kenya yep. or Ghana or Nigeria, they'll name you after the time of day or the circumstances mm. of the day. So if it was snowing outside or if it was raining or if it was nighttime or if it was a hot day, you like they'll you have certain names that you'll yeah. be named depending on I would on have been named almost died due to heart failure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I'm alive, so it's a happy end. <laughs> But yeah, that would have been my name. I'm glad yeah. my name is David instead. <laughs> I like that. And so uh, Jacob is it comes out grabbing Esau's heel, which was like an idiom, like for some reason. Uh, and I think it came to be used as an idiom, is what people have said. That he oh, that's like a tricky. Person. Yeah, like it's like, oh, you're like Jacob. We all know we're, we're going to find out in right. Jacob's story next week that he's a trickster, and we're going to see a little bit of it here. Uh, but that that's his name. And so immediately we see this all start to play out. Right, yep. so in their in their actual They're immediately birth, fully grown. Yeah, <laughs> immediately we fast forward and they are adults. <laughs> and oh no, a big Will Ferrell baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with a bonnet. Yeah, with a, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And so um, immediately um, we see Jacob doing the weaker brother thing and cooking stew. Right. 
I like to cook. I, I do too. It's but you know we're the Jacobs. We're, we're the Jacobs. <laughs> we're the tricksters in the world. And Esau has been out, you know, wrangling cattle or whatever you did in the day, and he's all hairy and manly and And he's exhausted. He's and exhausted. He, and he asks for some food. Right. And so he's like, Give me some of that soup, man. And Jacob's like, Well, I'll give you some soup. Oh my god. If you give me your <laughs> half of the inheritance. <laughs> it's not a good deal <laughs> at all. He's not a very good negotiator. Uh, but, but Esau is so close to death. He's literally about to die of starvation that he's like, what's my birthright to me now? Like, what's my inheritance going to be? I'm about to die in the kitchen if you don't give me that food. it's the, My birthright's not going to be worth anything to me anyway. So sure, I'll make the deal. And Esau makes the deal. And so, like, uh, Jacob here gets a down payment of the promise that will be his from his father by tricking his brother for it. Like, which is just not how you would think a prophecy of God would play right. out. <laughs> God's first thought when he was like, okay, Jacob, you're going to get all the inheritance. We're yep. going to make sure that happens through deception, right. near death, <laughs> and like, just what? being a terrible person. Yeah, <laughs> which again, leans into the motif of Genesis, which is God working through the evil intentions of men. That, And we're going to see that at the very end of the Joseph story, almost at the very end of the whole book. What, what you intend for evil, God intends for good. And, like, that's the motif of the book of Genesis. And up to this point, it's actually been kind of slow in coming. Because I th- think it's the first time we've said that out loud. Really. I said it once, maybe two times ago. Because I, I remember saying that I've written this Genesis poem. Rrr. And the through line for it is, yes, is, yes, yes, has to do with that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so far, we were seeing, like, characters of good people being largely good with some character some flaws. flaws. But Abraham really has been the only character we've seen so far developed. Yep. And he, he was faithful. Yes. And God rewarded his faithfulness with more blessings. So right. here we have blessings yep. and we see unfaithfulness and God using that unfaithfulness to bring about the blessings. Yes. And so this will actually, this will become more and more pronounced as we get closer and closer to the end. Definitely. So much so that Genesis itself will kind of give that as the whole line for the book. Yes. Which you intended for evil, God intended for good. Right. And it's a way to read back into the, the fall narratives. What we intended for evil, oh, right. yes. God intends for good. Right. It's only through... Uh, the fall. The fall that we get Jesus. Right. Felix Culpa, right? The idea of the fortunate fall, that um, fortunate fall that gained for us so great a redeemer, that without mm-hmm. the fall, we would not have known that God was a God who would die for us. Which right. is like, wait, what? Like, God created a world in which he would have to die to save it? Why? To show us that he's that good. Mm-hmm. Like, fortunate right. fall that gained for us so great a redeemer. If we would have just always lived with God, without any kind of evil in the world, without needing to be saved from ourselves and our sin, without needing the shed blood of Jesus, we would not have been able to see the real heart of God as one who would lay down his life for us. Like, amazing. There's no fall. There's no redemption. Yeah. And so we see this pattern all throughout Genesis. Whenever God's human people seem to fail and do wrong things, (laughs) pretend they're wives of their sisters or whatever, (laughs) like God doubles down the promise. And he says to Isaac, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven mm. and will give to your offspring all these lands. Same yeah. promise gave to Abraham. Because you know this story made its way through the family. This isn't something that happened behind, behind closed doors and no one knew about, right? Like, I yeah. wonder if, if Isaac was reeling about this whole thing. Like, wait, uh, my favored son? Because Isaac loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Like, they, were, they had different favorites. Mom and dad fa- had different favorites in their kids. And so Isaac's hearing the story that Jacob tricked his favorite son out of his inheritance. Right, right, right. And he's like, what's going to happen? It feels like the blessing is all screwed up. My firstborn son has given away his birthright. The birthright's supposed to go to the firstborn son. Like, that's why I like him so much. Right. <laughs> and and everything's messed up. What's going to happen? And you're saying that God doubles down on the promise here. It's in the midst of the chaos that God says, hey, I'm faithful even when you're not. And he tells Isaac, Obey, he says, because mm. Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Yep. And what's funny is that that same formula will end up being shown in Exodus and in Deuteronomy when oh, God gives right. the law. But mm-hmm. for now, Isaac, after he had the promise, makes yep. the same mistake <laughs> that his Esau father did. did. Oh. His father did, Abraham, and he pretends that his wife is his sister. Oh, oh, yes. When he right. goes to, to a Abimelech. different king, named the same thing. <laughs> It is it is strange that it's like why is Isaac doing the same thing that Abraham did? It's like he goes to a kingdom in order to protect himself and his wife. He lies and says that she's his sister. I mean, if it worked for his dad, it's got. It's got <laughs> old pops taught me this trick. 
Is that what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, or is it? Is there something? Is there anything theological going on here? <laughs> I hope so. I do too. I really don't know. <laughs> it is a weird. It is a weird story. I think at the very least, um, we we're seeing that some of the same flaws that were in Abraham, because like we don't get a lot of time with Isaac actually. You know, in the grand scheme of things, we don't get a ton of stories about him. And so here, I think in a really condensed, pressure-cooked kind of way, we get to see that Isaac's not perfect. Right. But we also get to see the same pattern that happened in Abraham's life is happening in Isaac's life. Yep. The same pattern of sinfulness and faithfulness is happening. God was faithful to Abraham through sins mm. and through lying and through <laughs> through all this stuff. And he's going to be faithful to Isaac as well. Right. Even if the sin is exactly the same... God is still faithful. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and then Jacob. Oh, yeah. And so Solemnly now more, swears. Solemnly swears that he's, he's up, up to no, no good. good. <laughs> and he uh, does more trickery. <laughs> two weeks in a row, we've got a Harry Potter reference. It's really good. And so more trickery um, it ensues. And um, Isaac's getting close to death. He's like half blind. The Bible says his eyes are dim. And he's ready to give out his inheritance. Yep. It, the time has come. And so Rebecca enacts a plan. Like really, it's her being trickery. Tr- yeah, trick- yeah. Trickish, Trixie, Trixie hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> now we have Lord of the Rings in here too. She, she, she's gonna play the trick this time, and she gets her favorite son Jacob in. She's like, we're gonna play a trick on old dad. Uh, I'm gonna, pre- I'm gonna prepare his favorite goat soup or whatever that he loves so much the way he likes it and he's gonna think it's Esau. I'm gonna cover you in hair. I'm gonna make you smell like your brother, and you're gonna take this food in to your dad. He's gonna. You're gonna trick him so, into thinking that you're. I just Esau. can't imagine like <laughs> tricking my my senile blind grandfather right into giving me my somebody else's inheritance right. Like I'm, like I'm thinking about my grandfather right now. Right. Who's like who? He's my grandfather. So and I'm 30. So he's yep. getting close to the end of his life. Like all the health complications that come with that. I can't imagine walking into his hospital room dressed up. Dressed up. <laughs> trying to pass myself off as one of the closer relatives right. to get my mom's inheritance yeah, instead like, of my hey, own. <laughs> I think you should give me more of your, in your will. And it's right. like, yeah, I need you to actually sign this. It says Seth Stewart here, and just give me your will. It's like, it's like man, that's messed up. It's like he, yeah. he's, he's already signed the will. He knows who he wants to give it to, and you're going to go in dressed up as the person who's getting all the will money and be like, I've got a new document for you to sign here. Trust me. I have your favorite Jello. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is, lime green, lime green, <laughs> and so uh, Jacob or, or Isaac kind of hesitantly buys the the rue, right? The ruse, the ruse. The rue, rue is oh. is a flour base and, and a butter mixture, <laughs> that butter you mixture use to thicken sauces, sauces. particularly French, <laughs> French ones. Rose. Yep. Put this is us being it. Jacob. <laughs> we are very Jacob in this situation. <laughs> the ruse. He, he hesitantly oh. buys the ruse, and um, but there might have been a rue involved. You know, potentially for this delicious for a good dish. stew. A good, a good stew, stew always, always has a roux. That's, right. <laughs> that's, that's like making rhyme. it into it your poem. It needs right. to. A good stew always has a roux. I really like that. And um, and he gives Jacob his blessing. Like yeah. it works. So now Jacob has procured both the inheritance and the blessing. He's gotten the possessions and the right. You know, like he's gotten both things. So what? So maybe help me there. So yeah. like, I just assumed this was kind of like, I just. just I, did, I guess I didn't think about the difference between a blessing and an inheritance. Well, I mean, like, so uh, what Esau gave Jacob, he had to have the right to give him, right? Okay. And, uh, like, it's what it's his share of the goods of the house. Like, right. your inheritance, give it to me. Like, your birthright. A birthright is what you have, what you deserve as the right of the firstborn. Okay. That when dad dies, you get all his stuff. You get to run the house. So, like... Your father dies, mm-hmm. and between you and your siblings, you all get a third of the house, but right? You, but the firstborn will get the lion's share. Right. The firstborn gets the lion's share. That's his birthright, is he gets Got the lion's it. share. He's like, give me the lion's share. And so Esau's like, sure, you can have my possessions that when dad dies, you can have what was allotted to me. Okay. But then this is the this is the blessing of God that he's giving him here. This is the covenant promise that Yahweh gave to Abraham, and then Abraham gave to Isaac, and Yahweh reaffirmed to Isaac. He is now passing on to Jacob, not Esau. The promise from Genesis 3.15 is now coming out of Isaac's mouth and into Jacob's ears. Well, why is that necessary? Oh, why well, can't, like... Yeah. I mean, it, up yeah. to this point, there's been no, like, laying on of hands to pass on the blessing right. from one person to the, to the other. Like, why is that Well, there kind of has, actually. Think about Noah. Okay. Noah cursed... Um, Ham, right? And right. his whole Canaanite thing went buck wild and went terrible. But the one he blessed, 
right? Uh, Shem, everything went great. And so God seems to be honoring the blessings that his chosen people pass on. And I think it's God is working with human agents, just like we said, he works with human trickery and with human evil. He also works with human blessing and human good to bring about his promises. And so for some reason, God is honoring like what his people are saying, like who will be blessed, which is kind of blows my mind a little bit. But it, it's like it shows that God is intricately involved in every little thing that's if happening. If you were to try to pull apart the things that human people, humans do, and the things that gods oh, do, you, you would just never get. You'd be like, it's too confusing. Can't it's, do it. God's too involved. Yep. He's everywhere. You provided the wife. You provided the water for the camels. He provided. He's the, working in trickery, but he's not. But God's not the trickster. Like it's 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 too impossible to pull apart. And, and the point is that's the, that is the point. Yeah, and the, well, the point is <laughs> yeah. that God, what God, what what you meant for evil, yep. God meant for good. That's right. What Rebecca meant for Trixie, uh-huh. for Trixie, for Trixie. <laughs> yep. God is actually meant for the blessing of all nations. His all intention, over, yeah, over the world. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. And so um, Esau comes in, and he's like, "Hey, here's the here's the food that you want. Now it's time for you to give me the blessing." And he's like, "Oh, I can't. I already gave the blessing to Jacob." And he's like, well, give me a blessing too. Surely you've left something for me. And 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 Isaac's like, no, there's nothing left for you because it's one seed. Right. Like I can only bless one of you because it's one line that God has chosen to bless. And so the pronouncement he gives to Esau is... Um, Basically, you'll live by the sword. Yeah, You're it's gonna... not good. It, it kind of harkens back to uh, the mark of Cain a little bit. Mm. Uh, the violence will follow you wherever you go kind of thing. And so um, this is this is kind of where the story of Isaac ends. He dies after blessing Jacob and uh, sending Esau away to live by the sword, and um, and we're kind of left now to, to where we're going to talk about next week with Jacob. But before we do, um, we want to talk about what how is this about Jesus? Yeah, one thing that I just noticing like there's just there's a big difference between Abraham and Isaac. Mm. So so far we, these are our only two characters that we've had in God's redemptive plan. Yep. That leads to Jesus, like sure. the family line that leads to Jesus, only has two people in it so far. Yeah, really. I mean, like, I mean, you had Noah. We had, you had, we had Noah. a long time with Noah. That's true. That's yeah. true. But there's this new covenant. This new covenant. Yeah, the and, only two people under this new covenant so far have been Abraham and Isaac. And they're just very different people. Mm. They're they're very. I feel like Abraham. I had a lot of sympathy for. I had a lot of admiration for. He's like he has a lot of faith. He has all this stuff and. Isaac just feels a lot more like a mixed bag. You know what I mean? I just feel like we don't really get to know Isaac very well because it's like, I mean, one, he falls in his father's footsteps with King Abimelech. So it feels like he is a lot like his dad. It's true. And he is trusting God's word that he will bless his people. And so he passes on that blessing obediently to his son, uh, even despite it being the one that he wanted to bless. You know, he didn't go, oh, never mind. I'll bless Esau instead. Like, he's not duplicitous. He's like, no, my word is my bond. I, I bless this mm-hmm. guy, and that's confirming the word that uh, Rebecca, my wife, said she heard all those years ago. I guess God was right in the end. Maybe what I'm feeling is just the world of Genesis getting more complicated. Yes. So it's like, in the Garden of Eden, it's two people. Yeah. By Tower of Babel, there's one big city, mm-hmm. and then just people dispersing everywhere. Yep. But then of Noah, we have just, we're back down to one family. Yep. And then from Noah onwards, the world is increasing in complexity and yep. size and population. Right, and, and it's beca- and like the chosen people line is getting more complex. Right, like you, we used to have like all those nations out there, but there's this one little remnant here, and it's easy to trace. And I know who I should be rooting for. And now yeah. things start to get more complex. There's twins. Oh no! <laughs> and then like in order to have a wife, you have to go back over here to these yeah. other people, and then bring them back around. It's like I it get does lost. Get more it gets a lot more complex. Yeah. In this moment, so like I yeah. feel myself just feeling overwhelmed yeah. by it. Well, and then think about just like let that feeling multiply throughout history and millions of people, and like imagine the complexity that God is working within to bring us one seed, right? Like right. one chosen person, Jesus. Like that should really blow our minds. So that's what. So that's what. So if you're feeling that complexity, what you should be saying is like, how do we get from here? Mm-hmm to Jesus. Right. How do we, how does God use evil? And I, I, don't, I don't know how, what's, what's the phrase of Jesus? Intend. What, what you man intended, intended for evil, evil God, God intends for good. good. So how do we see that in Jesus? Right. Do we see that in Jesus? Yeah, well, we definitely do. Um, I think th- it's very clear there's one very specific thing that humans intended for evil. 
um, and against God and his anointed, which is, you know, pulling on some even Psalm language there, that um, they, they crucified Jesus. They intended evil against him to the utmost sense. And I think even in the book of Acts, I think people pick up on this, right? Yeah, it's 2.23. Oh, you were already there. You, yeah. We're uh, on the same page. We're on the same page. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified Yep. And killed by the hands of lawless men. So it's the same verse that we'll see in Genesis fifty twenty. What men intended for evil, God intended for good. Mm-hmm. It just the structure is reversed. It's reversed. So God, God had a definite plan for knowledge, but you crucified and yep. killed him. Mm-hmm. What men intended for evil, God has used for good. That's right. Yeah, men crucified Jesus on the cross, but through their their evil intentions and actions, God brought about the greatest possible good in redeeming all mankind from their evil, which is so amazing. And, uh, and it even gets repeated later in Acts, that, that same idea. I can't remember where it is. It might be in 4 or 5. Uh, but he says, like, um, you, you crucified Jesus according to everything that God had already planned, <laughs> which is yeah, just crazy. It's, it's four, I think it's 10. Let it be known to all of you, to all people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this, this man is standing before you. Yeah. And, no, he says it again later. I just read Acts today, so it's just in my head. I can't, Somewhere but I, but head. I can't remember. But anyway, and so what what we're seeing here is this uh, this choice that God made um, that His Son would die, and like and all throughout Acts, especially if you want to look at Acts again and again and again, when Paul goes into a synagogue to ex- to try to defend and argue about um, the the fact that Jesus is the promised one from the Old Testament. The one thing he's trying to get people to understand is that the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, had to suffer and die and be raised again. Over and over and over again. Just so many times. That's the right. one thing he's talking about. Why? Well, because that was God's plan. Just like the just like um Jacob and Esau were chosen in the womb before they did anything. Like when Jesus was still in the womb of eternity, if you will, right. in God's plan, God said over and over again through the Old Testament. The promised one will have to suffer and die. The promised one will have to suffer and die. Like that's why we have the yeah. suffering servant psalms or uh, you know uh, prophecies in Isaiah over and over again. In every corner of the Bible, we see this, this this promise that the chosen one will suffer and die, and almost through trickery a little yes, bit. Right? Oh, Judas. Yeah, Ju- through Judas. Yep. But also, uh, what is I, I think it's Paul. He says like if. They would have known. Oh, if they would have known, right. They would not have crucified, crucified the, the Lord, Lord of Glory. glory. Yep. There's a sense, there's this hiddenness about Jesus' identity, mm-hmm. this like disguising right. of they, the divine and human God flesh. God kept them from seeing. And so when he does become the chosen one, mm-hmm. it's through trickery. Yep. It's through a little bit of, like, so in Narnia, mm. she doesn't know about the deeper magic before. Oh, Queen, Queen Jadis doesn't know about right. the deeper magic before the dawn of time. Yep. So when she kills Aslan, she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know that what it would bring about is her downfall. Yes. And so the same way, there's this yep. sense in which, like the like the forces of this world, Satan, Rome, did mm-hmm. not know what they were doing when they killed Jesus. Because what they did when they killed Jesus was they blessed the entire world. Right. What what man intended for evil, God intended for good. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So, to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit spokengospel.com. Mm-hmm.